Third down, that's deflected and intercepted at Boise State. Curtis Weaver. My goodness, this guy is an All-American, and he just made an All-American play. Blackman gets hit, set inside the 20-yard line. There's Curtis Weaver, preseason defensive player of the year in the Mountain West. Great players make great plays and big opportunities. On second and long, down goes Vanderwall again. Curtis Weaver again. Ball came out, but after Vanderwall had hit the blue turf. This guy's a one-man wrecking crew on this possession. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the third installment of the Meet the Rookie series on today's special edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We are talking about Dolphins' fifth-round draft pick out of the Mountain West from Boise State. He is Curtis Weaver. I am Travis Wingfield. And on today's episode, we are going to get the Dolphins' newest pass rusher out of Boise State from three first-hand accounts with Curtis himself, his coach at Boise on the defensive line, and now co-defensive coordinator in Spencer Danielson, as well as Curtis's mother, Carla Weaver, here on this podcast. If you're not familiar with Curtis's collegiate accolades, they are through the roof. He produced every single year out there in the Mountain West, where he is the all-time sack leader in that conference's history, and he did it with 34 sacks in his career, 47 and a half tackles for loss. He had two picks. He broke up six passes. He forced three fumbles, recovered another one, scored a touchdown. All of that adding up to a two-time first-team All-Mountain West player and the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year this past season in 2019. He also received first-team All-American honors from CBS Sports and their All-American team this past year. So without further ado, let's go ahead and kick off our Meet the Rookies Curtis Weaver Edition podcast with the co-defensive coordinator at Boise State, Spencer Danielson. And jumping in the passenger seat here on the Drive Time Podcast is the defensive line coach and co-defensive coordinator for Boise State. He is Spencer Danielson. And coach, first, congrats on a 12-win season, a conference title, and going through the Mountain West unbeaten. And welcome into the podcast. Thank you, Travis. Appreciate it. Yeah, we, we had some great kids and we got a great fan base. And, you know, when those things come together, great things happen. So fire it up, fire it up for the future, whatever that looks like. I always mention this whenever I get a chance to on my podcast here, even though it's Miami Dolphins, I'm a Washington State alum, and so you guys have come my way a few times, and those are always some really good games, so watching plenty of those contests out there on the blue turf or at Martin Stadium, but the reason we're talking today is about new Dolphins defensive end or edge or wherever you want to put him, Curtis Weaver. And I want to start, Coach, with the first time you met him, because looking at your guys' resumes, you both got there in 2017, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Yeah, so I got there in, in 2017, and so I got there in the in January of 2017. Kurt got there in the essentially summer of 2016. So when I so he just finished redshirting. So when I come in, you know, I'm I'm coaching. Um, I was a graduate assistant, blessed to coach really outside linebackers, and they're telling me about this, you know, this kid Curtis Weaver. He, he was kind of chunky out of high school, super athletic, you know bubbly personality, you know, but he lost all this weight, did a great job in the offseason, red-shirted. And so nobody has a clue who this kid is. You know, he's tall, he's long, he's athletic. And so the first time I met him, you know, we're just kind of going through life. No one knows his name. I still joked him to this day, like, hey, never forget, brother. I was your friend when you had five followers on Twitter. Like, don't get that twisted. You know what I'm saying? So it, so that's when we met. We met in January in 2017. And I just got here from uh, from California and 
met him and we just started uh, started rolling and it's been an amazing journey since. Do you have that kind of California bond with him since he's from there as well? Oh yeah. And we just, you know, we know so many similar people and, you know, his, his coach from high school, I know well, his family members, I know really well, friends, coaches, all, you know, especially for him coming out of high school, he's a pretty highly touted kid. And so getting to know guys that have recruited him, even, even other places from them knowing that I'm from California is a big deal. And it's, it's really cool for us when we, even on breaks, when you go home, I'm from San Diego, he's from Long Beach, but um, there's just kind of that collaboration in regards to where we're from. You know, a little bit of that Cali pride comes out when we start talking against other guys. Now, I love watching Curtis both, whether it's all 22 or watching the broadcast version of, of the games. And one of my favorite parts about the broadcast is you get a little more in, intel and in-depth, you know, information on these players. And I was watching a Boise game at some time this year. I was West Coast during the football season, so I had a chance to stay up and watch you guys into the late hours. And they would always talk about when Curtis made a play, how he was just this unique character. And, and in a lot of ways, he reminded me that way of our defensive lineman, Christian Wilkins, who is so famous for doing the splits after winning the national championship or just being a really bubbly guy. Is that something that you see all the time with Curtis Weaver? And is it always on the field, off the field? Like, what's that transition like for him going from serious football player to off the field kind of goofball? Travis, great question. And I, from when he was a freshman, when I first met him to now the amount of questions just on that is, <laughs> is awesome. You know, it's, what is this guy like? And everything people see on national television is what he is. Like he is a polarizing personality. People love being around him. I mean, he's that guy that you could be in a meeting room and it's kind of all right, a little bit quiet. Kurt walks in and it's like, okay, it explodes. You know, he's making a joke about somebody or he's saying he beat somebody on 2K that night or guys are talking smack to him. You know, he's he's just that guy. He comes to the room with coaches. It's like hugs, love you. I mean, that's he's that guy. Very polarizing in regards to how he brings people together. And, you know, he goes to get food like there's five or six guys that are rolling with him. He's, it's just the way he is. And, and it's the way he's been since I know him as a freshman when he had never he, you know, had zero accolades. Everybody knew he was talented, but did nothing on the field. Nobody knew his name. And he was still kind of that way and really wanted to help young guys and bring them along. But he but he loves having fun. And the cool thing about him and I really haven't met a lot of people like him in this regards where you could look at him. He'll be joking around, fun loving. He'll come, you know, tickle your tickle your ear or something just to make fun of you or push you. But I'll tell you what, when it's time to go practice pregame, like we joke with him, like there's a transformation. Like when he goes through the tunnel and, and everyone talks about it, you know, like and, and, and Kurt practices hard and all that. He is not like you go in the weight room and he takes care of his body, all that. But, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, I make big plays and big games and I'm a I'm a game like Curtis lives it. Like when he walks through that tunnel right here, I mean, he changes and he's one of the most competitive, intense, takes everything to heart in good and bad ways on the football field, especially in game. I mean, you lose a game. I mean, he's that guy that he will barely talk to anybody. I mean, he's crying. I mean, he's that guy um, because he cares. Everything he does is so much. He loves you. He loves you so much. He wants to win the football game. So he's not ever going to be a guy like Kurt. What do you think about this? No, it's, it's whatever. It's everything he gives us all to everything he does from relationships to playing, you know, a video game to, you know, if we're on the field in the summertime and we're doing like just a, a fun joke drill, it might as well be the Super Bowl for him, you know, and that's what, what you love about him. There's got to be something in the blue turf that, that causes that for him because I, I love watching him play out there, all-time Mountain West sack leader, and you talk about the ability to flip that switch, and you talk about it on the field for game day, and, and his passion in every walk of life. I'm curious what it's like when you 
have a moment where you have to have a coaching point with him. Or maybe you guys are in the film room and you guys are kind of joking and jovial, but then it's time to get down to brass tacks. Like, do you see that switch just instantly flip for him? And, and is he, is he receptive to coaching immediately like that? He is. And, and where me and him are, um, have a special relationship. So like I said, when I came in in 2017, as a graduate assistant, um, the defensive coordinator at the time, Andy Avalos, um, let me run the, my own room and do my own meetings and meet with them. And, and so I, here's this graduate assistant and, you know, Curtis Weaver is a highly touted guy. Still, no one really knows a lot about him. So taking coaching and taking the hard coach, you know, Boise State, like we, um, we treat our kids with a ton of respect. We're tough on them. You know, we want them to grow and learn that way. And so um, he gave me a ton of respect when neither of us really had any to, to give each other. You know what I'm saying? And that was really where we're so endeared to each other. Cause he, he didn't know me from Adam. I didn't know him from Adam and immediate literally from day one, it was like, even in spring balls, 2017, it was like, Kurt, whatever you screwed up. I need you to get this fixed. Like, like, like you said, there's a time to joke and, and mess around. There's a time to, Hey, like, look at me, sure. this needs to change. And he would. And, and, he, and we and he does a great job of understanding. He can really feel personalities where you, know, you might be talking about, oh, look at this guy get pancake. But when it's time to start watching film and get into business, it's, you know, he'll shut up. It's notebook comes out, pencil up. And it's like, let's go to work. Now, I told you off air that I did some kind of recon work as far as looking into your guys' relationship and that type of thing. And I found a great article on the Idaho Statesman where they asked you, and I'm going to ask you the same question here. So maybe you can give the same answer. Maybe you can change it. We'll we'll leave it up to you, coach. But they asked you to describe Curtis in one sentence, and you said you would need 45 minutes. (laughs) And then you also went on to give a really good answer, I thought. But if you were asked that question today after seeing the growth of his career and and getting to the professional level and have the the relationship you guys have has developed to where it is now, would you give that same answer? I think I still would, Travis. I mean, there's not a lot of people on planet Earth that I love more than that kid. I mean, I, I wish God's best for him, obviously, in so much more ways than just football. But to describe Curtis, you know, it's easy with some people, and that's not bad, but it's, um, you know, discipline or this. Kurt has so many layers to him, and that's why I said that back then. I really stick to it. And even more, even after that interview, I remember thinking about it, like, man, is there, is there something? And I, I honestly think probably if, to describe Curtis really just in a word for me is passionate. Like, that's who Curtis is. And, and just like anything, a strength can be a weakness if it's overdone, and he knows that. But even as he's growing, you know, because there's um, some guys are like, you know, they, they see him joking around or messing around. You can easily take that initially when he was a freshman, he hadn't done anything, take that as he doesn't, um, he's not paying attention or he's not, no, Kurt is just passionate for everything he's doing. It's not a guy that um, will, for lack of a better words, half-ass anything. He's just not going to do it. Like if he's going to do something, he's into it, he's all in. And so to describe him in a word for me, like it's passionate. Like, you know, I have him over to have dinner with me and my family and hang out. Like he's all into it. He's making jokes. We're getting food. You know, it's, it's like, this is the best dinner I've ever had. If we're going to go out and train, it's the, it's so happy and awesome for him to do it. So he, he's just such a passionate young man. He's got so many layers and he doesn't, in this society, people always, not always, a lot of people want to try to be someone they're not. Oh, I want to be like this guy I watched on TV or I want to be like this person. Curtis has guys he looks up to, but I mean, Curtis is Curtis. I mean, if you were to say, Hey, does he remind you of anybody? that'd be even a harder question because yeah, maybe he reminds me of someone from his football play, his athletic ability, but that um, tagged with his personality and how he treats people and how much people love being around him. It'd be hard for me to say, this is who he's like. So I know I'm kind of going all around the answer, but uh, it would take long just because of how many layers he is, how deep he is in so many different ways, but he's a passionate young man. 
that will always keep you guessing. And um, he's one of those guys when the lights show up and when it's a big, big time situation, he'll be, he'll be ready to roll in all phases. We've got Coach Spencer Danielson here, the co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach of Boise State. He coached our new defensive end, Curtis Weaver, there at Boise State for the entirety of his career. And Coach, you've referenced this a few times, and you'll hear this later on the podcast when we talk to Curtis. That passion you talk about, it's it's prevalent, like you say, in all walks of his life. I think I challenged him to like a Mario Kart N64 video game, and he got fired up about that. Like He was all in, yeah, Coach. And I noticed he was passionate about something you've referenced a few times here on the show your faith and he does as well i'm curious do you guys have a bond and a relationship based around your faith as well absolutely yeah that was something even early on um and i talked to my players all the time when i came in you know in 2017 it was you guys i'm gonna coach you hard i'm gonna hold you to high standard but and i have no problem telling my players like kurt when i get off the phone with them it's like love you kurt you're like love you coach and i tell them like what does that mean like love is an action and to me initially i see love by the love of jesus christ like he gave his he gave his life for us and so from that, you know, there's a church that we go to and he's in Boise called Capital Christian Church. We had a we have a phenomenal chaplain here. And so all those things together have become something that me and Kurt can come back to. So not only is it football, not only is it sports or whatever, it's, you know, we, we, we usually have a, a standing meeting since he's been here in season for 30 minutes once a week, where it has nothing to do with specific football. So it's how's class? Um, you know, is there a girl you're interested in? or how, how's your mom Carla doing? You know, something that has nothing to do with football, but. Let's make sure we're on the same page in regards to life. And it always also comes up to like, what can I pray for? You know, or Kurt will call me like, hey, coach, something happened with a family member. They're not doing so well. Um, can you pray for them? And so that has been a huge thing for us and something that I've seen with Kurt. And I know for us together, you know, there's different things can happen in life, especially in athletics and kind of having a rock that you can stand on has been something huge for him. And seeing his growth in that even. Um, you know, he just, you know, obviously when he went down to Miami, when he left our church, I mean, he went to the front of the church, everyone prayed for him. I mean, and seeing him there to where I remember he was in 2017 as a freshman, just to see his growth, even just from a spiritual and a disciplines perspective is, is awesome. I'm, I'm a big believer in the support system and how it really basically is everything behind a man. And it sounds like Kurt has a, a phenomenal support system, both with yourself, his mother, Carla, who I spoke to the other night, will be on this podcast as well. She was a gem in her own right. And so you oh. mentioned that relationship you guys have. Clearly, it's there and it's intact. And you talk about going from the front end of his career at Boise State to the end and resulting in being drafted by the Miami Dolphins. Now, you were with him for draft night, right? Yep. Can you yes, I was. He was with me. Him and his mom were with me the whole time. Okay, fantastic. That's what I thought. Can you kind of just go over that night, that draft weekend, how that was for both you and Curtis sitting there watching the draft go on? Yeah, no, and it was it was an awesome opportunity for us to be around each other. You know, especially from like you said, whenever there's something that goes from you know I've been with them from the start to now, then you know Miami calls the right fit be the Miami Dolphins, and when that call came and he was crying on his, I still have the video on my phone when he was crying on his mom's shoulder, came over, was crying like. To this day, it still chokes me up, you know, because you you go back to the days in 2017 when he's this chunky freshman that's figuring stuff out. And now to where he is all-time leading sack. You, you can't walk in Boise, Idaho, Idaho without seeing someone who knows Curtis Weaver, you know, to where he is now. Um, I mean, it brings tears to your eyes. But that whole day was – it was a little roller coaster in regards to, you know, looking forward to it, can't wait for the day, and then it going a little longer than we had assumed. But then when Miami came in and picked him, I mean, he was just – he lit up when he left my house. It was like fins up, you know, he's wearing the hat. He's like, I can't wait to get down there. And he was Frank. He's like, man, I can't wait to get down there. And they made the right decision. I'm like, it's your job every day to prove that. And he's like, coach, 
Like that's going to happen. And I'm like, I believe it is too. I love that you keep going back to the chunky freshman reference because in that same article I re- referenced earlier, the Idaho Statesman piece, your cornerback, uh, his teammate Avery Williams, said that Curtis is just a humongous child. So it all it all kind of comes full circle here to talk to to tell us what kind of player and what kind of kid this guy is. And I would be remiss if I didn't get this question because his mom talked about it. He's talked about it. You mentioned the tickling behind the ears that he does yeah. when he's coming up to you and just being a friend. There's got to be a great prank story that he pulled on you or his teammates or the coaching staff there at Boise. What's the best Curtis Weaver prank story you have for us? Man, Travis, I got to I got to I got to think that's a great question cuz there's definitely a lot. I mean, it's more for for Curtis it, it wouldn't probably be so much even like this this big time planned one, you know, but he's that guy that if someone uh, you know, we're in a meeting room and someone has to walk out to use the restroom, come back, you know, he'll hold the door shut. So I can't hear if someone's coming in or, you know, he'll, he'll text the, he'll text the guys that like, uh, you know, the meeting got moved and it didn't, you know what I mean? Some of those like funny things that you're like, um, but he more is just like, I wouldn't even say so much of a prankster. He's more just like a jokester in regards to how he operates. Life. Like we, we joke with it, but I mean, there is not a guy when, when it's time to go that, you want on your team more than Curtis Weaver. At least, I mean, from since I've been here and talking with other people, guys that have played him, I mean, I'll tell you what, when he left early, I'll tell you what, there's 12 offenses in our, that we were supposed to play this coming year that all probably took a day off thanks to that. I mean, there's no question, you know, and, but he he has that, and like I said, you don't usually have that guy that can be a jokester, you know, play rock, paper, scissors, or do whatever and mess around and laugh and play that can flip the switch. And then all of a sudden you're getting this tear on the football field. And the big thing people don't like, Curtis is an extremely smart football player. It is not just, oh, he's got a ton of ability. Like he does. He has a ton of athletic ability, but he's extremely smart. You tell him, hey, Kurt, what's that outside linebacker doing? What's the nose doing? How we fit in this? And he'll be able to talk it through. He'll know why and when he can do certain stuff. That's really great stuff, Coach. And I'll go ahead and close on this because you use a couple of words that we love down here in Miami. You talked about in that same article from the Idaho Statesman, a story that you told him if he remains humble and hungry, he could be special. And we produced a great piece of content, our video team and social team on Brian Flores called the Brian Flores story, Humble and Hungry. And so it just, it it circles back perfectly here to Curtis Weaver. How would you say he responded to that? And do you think he'll carry that fuel from draft night all the way into his pro career after such a polished college career there at Boise State? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I can't agree more with you, Travis. And with Curtis, and that's something I've used with him and we use here at Boise State, but it's just that humble and hungry mentality. You know, humble just, hey man, it's not just about you. You don't need to use your words to tell how good you are. You don't need, it doesn't matter what people think about you. It doesn't. Now you're going to treat people right but you're going to let your hungry and how you work and how you train and all these different things. That's what's going to give you the platform. That's what's going to give you the production and the accolades, the pro bowls, all those things. Um, but people, it's easy to get ahead. It's easy either one, get frustrated and, Oh, I should have, you know, I should be here. And then we're not, but at the end of the day, if you stay humble and hungry and I told him too, like, Hey, you get to your first pro bowl, which I believe he's that type of a player. Are you going to go to just one? And I told him, is he going to be one of those guys that goes to one and then all of a sudden where, where Curtis go? Or are you going to be a guy that truly makes this a career? You're a household name in Miami. And I believe he can be this if he stays humble and hungry. And I said, if you, if you don't, which I'm all, you know, there's all, there's a, 
black and white to everything, you're going to be a guy that was, oh, man, he was such a good player in college and never really did anything in the pros. And I said, man, you just got to understand that's a reality. But if you stay humble and hungry every day, not when season starts, like right now, in regards to how you handle, you know, all of it, media, coaches, players, family, and everything you do, just stay in the background, man, and just train in everything you do. You're going to be right where you need to be. And I believe that. I believe Miami um, got a steal, and I believe they got somebody that they're going to be proud to call one of their own, and a guy that in the years to come will be someone that is one of the best doing it. I believe that, as long as he continues to stay humble enough. Because success is rented. It's not owned, right? Hey, without and it's every single minute, every single hour, every single day, man. I love that line. It's so inspiring, Coach. I appreciate your time so much today. He is Coach Spencer Danielson, co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach there at Boise State. Coach, best of luck this year, and uh, thanks a lot for coming on with us. Travis, appreciate you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give Curtis a call right now and tell him I just slandered him online for about an hour. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have it up here soon, and you guys can listen to it back and uh, compare stories and whatnot. Uh, appreciate you guys, man. Thank you, Travis. Thanks a lot, Spencer. And there he goes. Coach Spencer Danielson of Boise State has some high praise for his star protege there in Curtis Weaver, now current Miami Dolphin. And with that, let's go ahead and turn it over now to my interview with Dolphins defensive end, Curtis Weaver. And riding shotgun now here on the Drive Time Podcast is Dolphins defensive end slash outside linebacker. Plays a little bit of everywhere on the defensive front. He is Curtis Weaver out of Boise State. Curtis, welcome in. How you guys doing? How you doing? I'm doing really good. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. And uh, we're, we're doing these Meet the Rookies podcast. Excited to get to know the players a little bit more off the football field. And I'll start here. Are you down in South Florida yet? Yep, I'm in Davie. Um, all moved in. Um, going great. You're down there in Davie. I'm moving down sometime middle of this month. And I keep asking, I asked Malcolm, I asked Brandon, what's some advice you might have for someone making that cross country move? Um, when you get off the airplane, take your shirt off. You might sweat through it. Um, uh, I got here at night and I already felt the, felt the humidity. Um, that was about four weeks ago, about a month ago now. And, um, it was fun. It's still like, it's still like there. Like something you have to pick up as you come, like um, train with a couple older dudes, and they're still sweating crazy. So it's something you just got to find. And you... we, I talked to Jakeem Grant the other day, and he said that he took his trash out, and he was sweating. He, his his shirt was soaked with sweat. I arrived like you did in the middle of nighttime. It was like midnight for last year's training camp, and it was like it was like a sauna. I couldn't believe that it was still that hot in the middle of the night. But um. Hey, I guess that provides a good opportunity for you to get back into football shape and to better condition quicker. And on that topic, what have you been up to the in this off season? You're working out and uh, and staying in shape. Yep, um, working out with the older guys. Like I said, um, we start early in the morning. We end around afternoon, and then you get home, watch your film, um, and then after that, it's like free time for me. It's like buying more stuff for the house. But right now, I'm done. Um, got everything knocked out. So more like chill time, you can say. Um, but every day something you can do to get better. You can say like that. So, so when it comes to that chill time, what's your, uh, what's your go-to entertainment? You got YouTube or Netflix or video games. Like what do you do in your spare time? So I separated, um, something I did that coaches told me in the past was put your game in a different room than your um, real room. <laughs> so, um, in this room right here I'm, is my games and then sneakers you can see. So I'm either online looking at sneakers like not buying all the time, literally just like I look or look at someone on YouTube or then uh, play the Call of Duty with the homies from back um, in Boise State. 
and from home. And then um, sometimes I play 2K, but big YouTube guy, big Hulu, Netflix too sometimes. But um, yeah. But once I go in my room and watch something, it's I'm KO. So I try I try to stay out there till like nine o'clock. Well, with the shoes right now, I mean it's a little bit different than it has been in your past because now you got the scratch to go ahead. You don't gotta put that in your cart anymore, right? You can just go ahead and ship it on down there. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I'm still acting like myself back in school. Sure. So uh, I like if the shoe is not really right there, like of course I can go buy like ten shoes right now, but like I still have like my certain shoes I like. And like now there's shoes that I have on the list that you can say I want, but not right now. Like they come down the road. Well, help help a uh, a non sneakerhead here. What is the greatest shoe of all time? Um right now, you can't go wrong with the Jordan ones. Uh, either Jordan runs or all white air forces like the kickstart your game. Um everybody has the all white air forces. Um it's literally around the world. Um, and then Jordan ones, there's so much color combinations that you can go with and can't go wrong with it. So I feel like those are the two best shoes to start off with. And of course you got to have bands are bad for your feet, but you got to have your bands with you, a little casual band. So, yeah, I was going to say, I was listening to a podcast earlier today and they were going back over the last dance uh, documentary and talking about that one game. I forget which game it was. It was a return for Jordan of some sort, maybe his last all-star game or something. Yep. And he wore the Jordan ones again and he came off the court saying like, my feet are bleeding. They're, they're, these are not yeah. good for your feet. Is that, is that the case for those shoes? Uh, no, with Jordan's case, it was uh, too small. The shoe was too small. Oh, okay. Um, and then, um, but for my cases, um, you, I got my same shoe size. So my cleats and stuff, running shoe, are all a size bigger than my regular shoe. Because sometimes, in case I, um, run, I mean, in case I double sock or something, things oh, like yeah. that. Let's transition to some other leisure activities. If you mentioned some video games, what you said, Call of Duty was your go-to game. Yeah, um, Call of Duty. Um, all the way back to middle school is getting yelled at by your mom when it's like 10 o'clock and you over here screaming at the game with your friends. Um, so it started like that passion started back then. Um, I watched some streamers um, talk to Kyle, um, Kyle Van Noy during workouts about uh, what gun to use sometimes. He plays with the top guys. Uh, and then either Call of Duty or 2K and a little game to like play with my friends is um, – while they're here is UFC or um, WWE. So a little like those two little fun games. So it's all about that competition, man. I, I was like, again, talking to Jakeem, he, he mentioned the receivers are all about the call of duty, a little bit of 2k here and there, but I asked him about old school video games and I'm a little bit older than you guys. So maybe this is more my old school, but how far back do you, does your systems go? Like Nintendo 64, do you have the super maybe played some regular Nintendo back in the day? Like what's old school video games to you? So I did start at a young age with my uncle. My uncle um, was a big thrift store guy. So he got a Nintendo 64 out of there. We played PlayStation. PlayStation 1 was one of like the first things like I visually, like Nintendo 64 was like a blur, but PlayStation 1 was like, I visually remember it, had to blow on it, close the lid, all of that. <laughs> so I remember that. Then I went to PlayStation 2. Uh, I didn't have a PSP, but my friend did. So I usually play on his. And the DS when that came out when it was like the big chunky one, so um, I go I kind of I don't go way back to like Dreamcast and stuff, but I I go all the way back to PlayStation One. Well, I keep telling all your teammates I'm bringing my N64 down. I've got Mario Kart, uh, GoldenEye 007, which is basically Call of Duty 
the, the first ever Call of Duty was yeah. GoldenEye 007, and I will merc anybody in that game any day. So I'm going to bring that. We're going to fire that thing up one of these days. But I don't know. I'm pretty good at Mario Kart. <laughs> I'd be going yeah. crazy. I don't know. I, we got to see, though. Jakeem was saying that he works over his kid. I'm like, come on, man. Take it easy on the little you got, you got to. Because, look, it's either you let him win, and they're going to be blah, blah, blah. I'm the best. Or you give it to him now and let him cry and then let him go on and be like, gotta win gotta get better that's exactly right it'll be it'll be a proud day for him when he does finally get that w under his belt so we talk about you know old school games and growing up and stuff you grew up in long beach california right yes sir what was life like for you down there a little bit different than boise and and getting up to the northwest out here yep um long beach it was um over there in the la county so like the population is high out there um you're always doing something me being Filipino, um, most of the family living out there too. There were, there was always a lot of gatherings, a lot of things like that. Um, so it was just always fun. There was always something to do in Long Beach. Like even though like they had the bad side of like the LA County and stuff that people know around the world, like it's really not that. And now Long Beach is building to like where they have little um, like little dessert shops, little sneaker places, little clothing spots that you can go to. So. Um, with the population rate um, rising, there's a lot of things opening up. But with all this, like a lot of places are going down. So you go from Long Beach up to Boise, and I'm always intrigued by that because I'm a Washington State alum, Curtis, and you guys played the Cougs a few times in your career. I want to say you had a touchdown against us, didn't you? Yeah, they they blew they they we blew that game. Man. Yeah, that I, was a cr- that. triple overtime or something. Yeah, it was it was wild because that was the first time like. So I didn't play that first year, um, Boise B Washington State at on the blue. Yeah. We went there and they rushed the field. Yeah. And I'm just looking around like what are we doing? What here? is this? I said, What is this? Like, I had never seen this. And then it was just, I don't know, it was just one of those memories, like not a good memory, but like some of one of those memories you remember. I'm I'm always curious because you know WSU we recruit a lot of kids from Southern California also and you know you go from Southern California to Pullman Washington a little bit of a culture shock weather and just yeah. the scenery everything did you kind of have some of that? Um yeah when we got to Boise uh, me and my friend um, Jalen in fact we're like where the malls at like <laughs> there's only one mall and then like where the where the spots to go like because coming from Cali like I said they all these little stuff to go to there's always something to do. No, like, no, or the beaches. And then, so we're like, uh, like, what is this, blah, blah, blah. And then we got hit with um, our first winter. The summer was all right. It was just hot. But the first winter we got hit with, I guess you call it snowmageddon. And it was literally, like, it would snow in the morning. You leave workout, and you'll be like, all right, we're good. Like, it stops snowing. We'll take a nap, come back, and it's just a blizzard outside. So, um, I like Boise because, like, you went through the four seasons. I don't know about Coleman, but, like, you went through spring, oh, yeah. winter, fall, all of that summer. So it was just, like, something different. And then Boise being a small town, um, you really find yourself, like, who you are within, um, within yourself. So that, that's what Boise did for me, and it was um, helpful. Well, we aren't going to have four seasons where we're at now, Curtis. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> we, got one, we got one long one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm ready now. Well, hey, the three or four month rough summer it pays off in the fall and the winter with really perfect weather. So I'm looking forward to that myself. I want to go further back in your life here a little bit and talk about your youth football days. What year did you start playing football? When I was five. Oh wow! So like, yeah. did you did you know instantly like, all right, I'm I'm pretty good at this, or did it take a while? Like, what was your initial football impression like? Um, that's what I thought when I first um 
when I look back at life, I'm like, yeah, when I was five, I started there and I was balling. <laughs> but then uh, with um, with the older generation, they had the cameras. The mom whipped up the tape and I'm like, oh, I'm going to see myself go crazy. And it was the case where like, I barely looked like I knew how to play football. <laughs> I was just out there to have fun. I caught a couple of balls, dropped open balls. It's just, it was just something, um, something to do as a kid as, as at the time. But, um, uh, I thought I did, but I definitely didn't have it when I was a kid yet. <laughs> How long did you play offense up until, like, through high school? Oh, yeah, I played offense all the way through high school. Um, seven on seven was, like, something I really enjoyed. Because, like, I, I'm a defensive guy when it comes in, like, the middle, the real field, like pads on and stuff. But seven on seven is just different. It's just fun. Let's go back more again to, to your young football days. Was there a moment, like you mentioned playing offense and defense in high school, maybe it was before that. Was there a moment in your football career where you knew like, okay, I, I can make this into not just, you know, college education, but possibly a professional career someday? Um, so for the for that, like the beginning of that question, you could say, was my sophomore year of high school. Uh, my brother's live, um, he's here with me. Well, someone I grew up with, I'm very close with. He's out here with me now. Um, we had the decision in high school to choose. Uh, well, I had the decision for football or basketball. And he went basketball. So he was always basketball. So that summer, uh, I was like, I want to play basketball. Like, we just whooped on some dudes in travel ball. Like, I'm like, I don't want to play football no more. Um, sat down, talked to a couple um, people in my life. And then they said, just like, finish it out in high school. So junior year, my summer, I go, um, I choose football, and offers aren't really rolling out there yet. So my brother comes back and he's just like yoked, and then I'm like, damn, where you go? And then he was like, with and she, like every day he was running miles, he had to get basketball shape. So I was like, damn, did I choose the wrong sport? Things like that. <laughs> then offers started rolling out, and then it was fine. And I got to Boise, and then NFL was like everybody's dream. Well, not everybody. I'm not talking about everybody. But, like, for me, it was my dream. But when I got to Boise, me being 300 pounds, I was like, I don't know. Like, first day of running, I'm like, this can't be college. Like, this is not for me. And then um, so I played a few years, and then I, the people were talking about it. And then, like, I, I could say, like, at the end of my freshman year, like, it was a – it was there. Like I was like, all right, let's go. Like I can get, I can get this as uh, my dream. So you did you redshirt your freshman year at Boise? Yes. Okay. So then you came back your 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 redshirt freshman year. What was your production like that year? Refresh us because I I kind of forget. Um, I was just uh, you can say Patrick's package guy. Yeah. Um, a little, a little skinny. So I was like I said, I was three hundred. First game weighed in at like two thirty seven. So lost a lot of weight there. Became like a pass rush guy. And had like had some sacks through the season and stuff like that. Going back further into you know more back into your youth again. Now you've got a pretty strong bond with your mother, right? Yes, sir. Is that like how did that relationship develop into what it is now? You guys like best friends? Yeah, um, she finally got an iPhone. I think <laughs> that was probably one of the craziest decisions because um, we used to just call, text, but it was like it was like a, three days before I got to out here to Miami some random number FaceTime me. And then I'm like, who is this? And I put the phone to the outside and it was like on my like, like personal phone. So I slide it. I'm in the back and she was like, baby, what are you doing? And I said, what? No. So, and you know, FaceTime, like sometimes I accidentally call my mom 
they hurry up and hang it up, but they automatically get it. <laughs> right back. So yeah. I'm like, I'm, so she automatically be like, oh, she, he wants to call the third time of the day? What do you have to talk about? <laughs> so, but my mom, me and my mom's bond is different. Like, we have our little Sunday nights, um, things like that. It's just, um, just waiting for her to get out here or me travel to her, see whatever we can do um, as, as soon as possible, really. Is she going to try to come down for most of your games? Yep. That's the plan. Um, I think we have a West. She was telling me yeah. there's a lot of West Coast games, so she probably won't come to a lot of home games. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. We got uh, at San Francisco and at Denver in back to back weeks. We're at Arizona and at Las Vegas. So you got four games in the Mountain or Western time zone. Very beneficial for you coming from the Mountain time zone there. Or no, she's back in Long Beach, right? Yeah, I wouldn't be in Boise. That would make sense. All right, cool. So, um, and that leads into my second question here on this topic. And I like asking, you know, players like yourself, this question, I shamelessly took this topic from the move the sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. They always ask their subjects, who was their hero growing up? And what was their biggest hardship? Let's go ahead and start with who was your hero? Um, I would say it gotta be Kobe, like coming from, uh, literally from a Laker family, like my my auntie side, um, so I stay with my auntie, my auntie and my uncle. My uncle's from Texas, so they are Spurs fans. But he was a diehard Laker fan, and Laker was literally ran through my blood. Like they shot me up or something as a kid, and I only like the Lakers until this day. So Kobe, just like I always used to watch highlight videos of him when Lil Wayne dropped um, the Kobe Bryant song the first time. Because he just redid it, um, like I had that on shuffle. Like, I can see that word for word. It's just I just say Kobe Bryant. Like he's always been there. I feel like even though that he wasn't there in person, but he's just always been there. Like workout videos and things like that. Yeah, mine was King Griffey Jr. So I'm all about like the the local hometown hero there when it comes to athletics. Now, does that mean you're a Laker fan today? Still, a LeBron fan? Yeah. Um, so. For me, it was like I didn't like LeBron because he was in the East. Because I was a coach, like like I said, a Laker fan. But um, I respect LeBron a hundred percent. But yeah, I love him with the Lakers and things. I'm grateful he's with the Lakers. Does that mean you've got LeBron over MJ all time? <laughs> they can't hear you, Curtis. You got to say it. <laughs> I'm not going to say nothing. You see the face. He's shaking his head for those of you that are listening and not watching the audio version. <laughs> But, but I mean, hey, but I also assume you would say that the Lakers are probably going to take home the championship this year, right? Oh, yeah. They don't give LeBron that chance. He's going to take it. You know, you give LeBron a shot, he's going to snatch it out. Yeah, you get him rested up back in that bubble scenario where he's got some time off to get, you know, because yeah. he plays every damn night, never takes a night off. I, I, I agree. I think he's going to run through that thing. Let's make a, a pivot here, Curtis, and go back to that question. What about the greatest hardship you had growing up, a moment that really kind of helped define you from an adversity standpoint? took me all the way back to fourth grade when my grandma died like you guys uh everybody knows um when she died that really turned the stone for me of i gotta do my work because my grandma was there like she made me breakfast all of that so like i was just one of those like people who like you know grandma did a lot of stuff for you so like, you're just chilling watching spongebob or something and you'd be like grandma can i get some food and then she'd be like yeah like grandma's gonna say it. very rare for grandma to say no to you so it was fourth grade, got the call when I was in class. Um, and then they told me I was leaving, went to the hospital, saw her, saw my mom crying. Um, that was probably, the, that was the biggest hardship for me. And then, so, I, yeah, 
not really going into the topic like that. Sure. Talked about it a lot, but um, yeah, that, I would say that's the biggest thing for me. Well, let's talk about how maybe you honor her a little bit. Is there anything you do, whether it's on the football field or maybe away from the football field that you do in your life to kind of honor her memory a little bit? Um, right now, it's just like the prayer. Uh, mom, uh, My mom does a lot for that. It's just praying, um, talking to her at night. Um, I know she's watching over me. Um, just got a chain, a, a face pendant with her on it. So I uh, had one in college, but uh, a little, little bougie one. And so I got I got one for her for real, for real. And then, um, yeah, that's how I honor her. And then, see. Well, then you'll you'll have your mom in the stadium and your grandma watching over you when you when you play on Sundays this year and and beyond in your career, Curtis. Looking forward to having you down here. Now, you mentioned SpongeBob there, and I have to bring this up because. We got some SpongeBob fans on the team and guys that think they can handle their business in the trivia. We actually do a fun segment with Jakeem and Devontae Parker where they go back and forth on trivia with, I think it was SpongeBob first and then the Friday movie. And I was curious, do you, is there a movie <laughs> or a TV show? Maybe it's SpongeBob. I don't, I don't know. Is there a movie uh, or a TV show that Ooh, you would wait, just dominate trivia? Fr- they said Friday? Friday, yeah. Friday is hands down. Oh my God. I just, okay, wait up. Are we talking about like funniest thing, show or movie right now? Just, I mean, what movie or show that you would be able to just wipe the floor with anybody in trivia? Oh, all right. So this is pretty weird, but um, so I think I told it was on the the Q and A with the rookies. Yeah. Um, I literally like no friends like the back of my hand. So we didn't have cable in the house for like a month or something, but my mom had uh, all the friends season one to ten. And when I said I watched them like no other, like I watched probably three and a half seasons. And like I used to, we had iPads in high school and we got this game where like it was literally just friends by category. I wiped everybody. <laughs> like it wasn't even funny. Like people didn't want to play me no more. I was just like crazy at it. But I can I can give you Friday and Step Brothers. Step Brothers is one of my favorite movies ever. Friday and Step Brothers is like, Right there, type for for I can watch those any time of the day, any time. I can be sad, crying. I turn that on. Step Brothers is one of those movies. When it comes on Comedy Central, I stop. I don't. I quit surfing. I, I stop on that one every time. It's funny you mentioned Friends. My wife watches that every night before she goes to bed. Just puts on an episode, lets it roll through. So I I believe you, but I think she might be able to take you down in French trivia, man. I don't know. Hey, I might have to. Hey, we might have to challenge them. <laughs> I got you. Got to test me. Yeah, test that. I'll, I'll have her make up a quiz or something because I don't. I don't know enough. I just. I'm, I'm starting to get the characters down. Like I'll be like, oh, I know Joey's kind of the goofy one, but like I, I just kind of watch it in passing. So, all right, Curtis, that's that's all I got for you today, man. I, I appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck this year. Stay healthy and can't wait to watch you play on Sundays and at practice as well. Thanks for taking yeah. the time with us today. We really enjoyed it. Appreciate you guys, go fan. Hands up, baby. I mean, what more can you say? The how enjoyable and how jovial is that personality and character? And it translates onto the football field too in the way he plays and the way he carries himself. You heard him reference the relationship with his mother growing up there in Long Beach with her and his grandmother. Let's go ahead and hear now from Curtis's mother, Carla Weaver, as we welcome her into the Drive Time podcast. And riding shotgun with us now here on the Drive Time podcast is Curtis's mother, Carla Weaver. Carla, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for doing 
yeah, for inviting me. It's, Thank you. It's been fun to do these interviews with with people from the family of the players we drafted this past uh, April. And Curtis comes up next. And I've been asking these questions to the family members is, when did Curtis first start playing football? What age did he get out there on the football field for the first time? He actually started playing flag football when he was five, but his passion is to play basketball. Oh, okay. He wants to be Kobe Bryant. He wants to be Michael Jordan. <laughs> but at the same time, he's, you know, he has so much energy. So I kind of like put him to two different sports. So he played football, flag football, and he played basketball at the same time. And, he likes to go um, to the beach and play, you know, boogie board and stuff. He thinks he's a surfer. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's in a good place for that now. He's in South Florida. You can play basketball and surf and boogie board all you want out here. Oh, yes. He loves water. That's for sure. <laughs> a little bit hotter, especially this time of year. So you mentioned playing flag football at such a young age. We know he's a great athlete. Was there a time in his football career where you noticed, okay, Curtis is pretty dang good. We might have something special here. No, not really. All actually, I want him to focus his school. Mm-hmm. That's just our, um, my first priority with him. And I told him whatever God gave him, he used it in a, in a good way. But he, you know, he pursuing his um, basketball, actually. He wants to be a basketball. But all of a sudden, like I believe freshman or in the middle of high school, he kind of like shifts to football. Well, you mentioned that he, you told him he could use what God gave him to get to, you know, kind of take his game to the next level. And he certainly did that. Now he's in the NFL, Carla. You are the mother of a National Football League player. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Now, I want to talk more about his character because it. we've talked to him on the podcast already. He just jumps through the audio platform like you wouldn't believe <laughs> because he's just so vibrant. And was he always like that? Like, do you have any good stories from his childhood that can help us get he's, to know why he's such a fun-loving guy like he is? Oh, yes. He's always been like that. He's like to be a center of attraction. <laughs> and he likes to play. He likes to dance all the time. Because every Friday we have a get-together or Saturday with a family member. And he always put in sync, you know, the bye-bye-bye. <laughs> he just actually went go crazy and he started dancing and then you know he play around with my uncle he play chess he play you know everything he actually can actually like talk to the youngest kids and then when he start talking to the grown-up he can level up with it <laughs> so i don't know how he does it but he's doing it he's been bubbly kid since his day one i have no problem with him that's awesome to hear you and it sounds like you guys have a great relationship there too as well you guys always have been kind of close that way Oh, yes. I want to make sure because, you know, back then I used to work, you know, two jobs, two and a half, whatever. And whatever I have extra time, I want to make sure I take him everywhere, like Knott's Bear Farm, Disneyland, or go to the beach or go to the park. We play basketball. We do skateboarding, whatever, you know, I can think of, like stay away from, you know, from TV, from, you know, all those game things. I want him to like, you know, see the life, whatever, you know. Well, I think you did a great job because he certainly has plenty of stories and plenty of characters he can play when it comes to just holding a regular conversation. And one of those 
characters, so to speak, was a great story they told on draft day. And I actually had a chance to tell Curtis or talk to Curtis about this story when we interviewed him back in April at the draft after he was selected, when he told you that he had something to talk to you about, very serious demeanor, and then just simply told you that he was Batman. I'm curious, is that the best prank he ever pulled on you or was there one that was better? Is Oh my God, yeah. Because what happened is, I don't know, we were watching something and I was actually busy folding something at the closet. And he keep going back and forth. He's actually walking back and forth. And I go, son, is something bothering you? He said, um, I'm okay, mom. But I know when he has some, you know, like if he has problem or anything like that. So he actually, mom, can you actually sit down next to me? And I go, okay. And that's where my heart start pumping. <laughs> what did you do? Did you do something that you're not supposed to? You know, why he didn't tell me this from, you know, we were all day together. Why he didn't tell me this? Mom, please, please don't get mad at me. He was like, and I go, I won't get mad at me. I, I can understand you. But if you do something it's not supposed to, I got to take action. I got, you know, we got to do legal way. <laughs> and then it's like, but please, please, mom, whatever happened, are you going to be on my side? I go, yeah, if you're in the right way, maybe, you know. So he just started saying, mom sit down. And then she was kind of like holding me on my shoulder and said, I'm Batman. I go, oh my Lord. Curtis, I go, are you kidding me? Yeah. Did you ever see Batman and I together? No. See, because I'm Batman. It's like, you, you oh better, my Lord. You better have kicked him out of the house right there and told him to go do something else with his day because that would have driven me crazy. Yeah. I was so scared that my heart is just actually pumping so hard. I said, mama was joking. Why you always do this to me? She always, he always pranked me. It's just like out of nowhere sometimes. Well, at least it gave you a great story. You can talk about years and years down the line. And speaking of great stories, you know, getting drafted is a really big deal for any athlete to get drafted into the, the national football league or whatever other sport league it might be is a big deal. So from your perspective, from mom's perspective, what was draft? day like for you Carla it's kind of like very stressful I just told him no but no matter what happened do not expect anything mm -hmm. because when the more you expect the more you go crazy you know whatever you know they the God gave you just take it and embrace it because hey you never know what's gonna happen and this is what I told you it's like don't expect nothing whatever happened happened embrace it. Absolutely. And some wise words from mom definitely never hurt. And he certainly has embraced it and made the most of his opportunity. That's all I got for you today, Carla. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for taking some time out of your day. I know you're very busy. It means a lot to us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. And there she goes, Carla Weaver, the mother of new Dolphins defensive end slash outside linebacker Curtis Weaver. And that puts a wrap on our Meet the Rookies Curtis Weaver edition podcast here on the Drive Time podcast. We have Malcolm Perry and Brandon Jones and Curtis Weaver now in the library along with our episode catalog going back to February. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Let us know how we're doing. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out our other podcast in the network, The Fish Tank and The Audible Podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.